What's up, y'all? It's Zach. And listen, y'all, Living Corporate is partnered with the Coalition of Black Excellence, CBE, a nonprofit organization based in California and bringing a special speaker series to promote CBE Week, an annual week-long event designed to highlight excellence in the black community, connect black professionals across sectors, and provide opportunities for professional development and community engagement that will positively transform the black community. This is a special series where we will spotlight movers and shakers who will be speakers during CBE Week. Today, we are blessed to have Clayton Bryan. Clayton has over 12 years of experience in the tech space, initially working as a marketer. He transitioned into business development and over the past three years has worked in venture capital. Currently, as a venture partner at 500 Startups in San Francisco, Clayton is focused on the media, e-commerce, and frontier tech. Clayton is also one of the co-founders of Transparent Collective, a nonprofit launched to help founders of color connect with investors and mentors. Prior to returning to the Bay Area, as a member of the Dorm Room Fund team in New York, Clayton worked with and invested in some time some of the best and brightest student-funded startups on the East Coast. With that being said, welcome to the show, Clay. How are you doing, man? Zach, I'm doing great. And uh, to all the listeners out there, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you might be listening to this. Uh, happy to be here and uh, looking forward to uh, you know having a good uh, conversation. Absolutely. So, look, man, you, of course I read your profile in the introduction, but for those of us who might be want to know a little bit more, I know I'm one of those people, would you mind talking a little bit more about yourself and your journey? Sure. Happy to hit on some of the, the, the high notes and the milestones. Um, so I'm originally from the Bay. Big shout out to Oakland. And, um, you know, growing up, I always felt this gravitational pull towards technology. Uh, I was fortunate to be able to uh, have a Apple II back in the day and um, play you know, some games on that. Everything yeah. from um, you know Oregon Trail to Mavis teaches typing. Uh, oh, Mavis wow. Beacon teaches typing. Yeah, 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 those are some of the some some OG titles. And um, let me ask you, you this know, real fast I, about sure. those games, though. Did you sure. ever play this game called Gizmos and Gadgets? Uh, I don't recall that one. That one. Man, it was really dope. Okay, okay, but you said Oregon Trail. Did you ever play that Mario typing game? Were you typing in Mario oh, yeah. movie? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a classic too. You know, that so those, for everyone from that era, you know, those those were great. And um they, I think that they did a good job of really kind of uh, getting a lot of folks into technology and, and just, you know, bringing up that awareness. And so uh, once I saw the application of that, and then I also was able to go to you know great places as a kid growing up in this area, places like uh, the Lawrence Hall of Science up in the Berkeley Hills, and um, you know really getting to see all these cool things happen with science. And so uh, when I got to high school, I started to code a little bit, and I took CS in high school. When I got to college, I thought that was going to be my track as well, um, but I happened to go to a school where there's a really tough computer science program, and I was like, actually. You know, I think I'm a little more creative than this. So I wanted to touch technology, but not necessarily from the coding perspective. And so uh, I became actually, uh, I was a poli-sci and economics major. And then when I graduated, I, I joined Yahoo as a content marketer. And uh, I, I was there for a couple of years. Uh, and I decided I wanted to go do the startup thing. So I worked at a couple of different startups. And that's when I first got, I started to really hear the term venture capital. And back in the 2000s, uh, it was a very different time and place within Silicon Valley and, and the way that we think of things. Uh, investors weren't blogging, they weren't tweeting. 
um, it was very obscure as to what investors actually did. Uh, now it's different. Now, you know, you see it's kind of a who's who on Twitter. You can, Twitter has a VC category you can follow. There's Medium. Uh, it's just very easy to kind of stay plugged into that scene if you really want to learn how different investors are thinking. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. Back in the 2000s, that was not the case. But I was very fortunate at the time, one of the companies I was working with, uh, we had done a Series A and a Series B. And also, the check sizes were much different than a Series A and a Series B were today. But I was the seventh hire, and I got to really see, you know, what these meetings with investors look like. And I was exposed to that. And I was like, this is kind of cool. This is interesting. Um, and that's really, you know, kind of planted the seed for me to want to be on that side of the table. Um, and so fast forward a couple of years, my first my first kind of role where I was in uh, an investor like seat was running an accelerator program that focused on uh, underrepresented founders. And so through that program, I got to know a lot of folks who I'm going to shout out later on in, in you know, our conversation. Uh, but I got to see I was even closer. But the problem with that program was that we were not writing checks and I wanted to actually deploy capital in order for me to feel comfortable doing that I decided okay well I want to go back to school which was kind of a controversial decision at the time because I still think that MBAs are not necessarily uh, all that welcome within the space but I think it's, it's changing now but for me at least the decision was to go back learn more about finance build up that skill set and then finally venture out as a venture capitalist and so that's what I've been doing since 2015 and um, I've been incredibly blessed to join a great team at 500 and incredibly blessed to be a part of something called the Dorm Room Fund. And uh, yeah, that's that's my journey in, in three minutes or less. And that's incredible. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, to your point about some of your decisions being a little non-conventional. Um, still, you, you talk about, yes, there's definitely more information to learn about venture venture capitalism and being a venture partner. However, Clay, now I have to be honest, man, I'm still really kind of confused when I think about the role of a venture partner. So, like, would you mind sharing a little bit more and kind of breaking it down what it is your role entails and like what you actually do on a day to day basis? Sure. And, um, you know, I think before I answer that, I'll answer a question that I think is a good kind of uh, intro or, or, or good for just context in terms of you know, well, how did I get here? And is there one or is there a certain path, right? I think a lot right. of folks that want to get into venture are like, well, how can I also get into venture? And I think, you know, a couple of years ago, there were maybe two different pathways in where, where you know, be, being a founder that, that had success. So exited a company, sold a company, right? Um, that was a path. Another path would be, you know, become an executive at a top internet company, a big brand that, was that you know everyone in the space would know uh and then really develop a skill set in sales and marketing or even people ops uh and then market yourself to one of these firms as as being able to add value but today you know there's so many different firms that are popping up and i think that if you talk to the folks that are at these firms they all have different pathways in and so i think the, the primary thing is just have that interest and really network and, um, and and be beneficial to founders, be beneficial to folks that work at these firms, do the job before you have the job. And um, and I think that that's a great way to do it. And there's great programs out there like HBCU, VC, 
uh, dorm room fund. There's a lot of different programs out there, depending on where you are at in, in your stage in life. We have one at 500 that's called Venture Capital Unlocked. Uh, First Round Capital has one called the Angel Track. So there's a lot of programs out there that will help you, you know, kind of get the right skills because things change so frequently um, within this space. Uh, so I would say that was a little bit of the prelude to the next thing, which is what do I do on a day-to-day basis? Well, you know, no two days look alike. Um, I would say at the core of my duties, really, I'm out here trying to help founders. And so I'm meeting with founders all the time. If you look at my calendar at any given point in time, uh, there's a lot of meetings with some of the current investments I have, some of the investments that uh, are a little bit more mature, meaning that, um, you know, I'm not working with them on a day to day because we have an accelerator program. And so it's essentially like a boot camp for entrepreneurs. So we're helping them with their marketing, their sales. We're helping them really craft the way they're thinking about their investor strategy. Uh, and then also with the execution, uh, because a lot of the folks that come through our program, uh, you know, they might be really good at their uh, core competency, whether that's, you know, uh, data science or agriculture tech or, you know, spinning up uh something you know some kind of hardware play but when it comes to the nuances around going out and fundraising and and selling your business to the investor audience uh it's a little bit of a different type of game and so just understanding and and, uh acquainting yourself with the the language and 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 the types of models and terms that are being used at this stage i'm talking about things as you know far down as like customer acquisition costs, but just understanding things like, um, you know, your, your, your revenue, your, your, uh, your different growth rates, right? Like and how to present that in a way that's meaningful, impactful, um, but translates well into the minds of investors. So a lot of what I do is just, is coaching. Um, I'm always looking for the next best, the next greatest thing, right. Um, that I can invest in, but even if I can't invest in it right now, I still need to be able to talk with those founders, help them as much as I can, because I'm always looking for potential. And that means a couple, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but I'm all out there always looking for potential. So a lot of what I do, I categorize kind of as just like helping founders. Uh, that would be one big category. And then other things that I do is meeting with other investors and, and really trying to assess how they're looking at the market or markets right now, what's interesting to them, because as someone that's at the seed stage, uh, I need, at the end of the day, I need to have confidence that I can help my companies raise money. And if the later stage players are not as actively looking for deals in that category, uh, it might be it might not be the right time. Timing is so big in what we do, right? Um, it's a huge thing. I would say timing and speed are so important. Uh, so you really have to get an understanding if you're a founder, is this the right time for me to go and fundraise for this business? Should I try to hunker down, just focus on product right now, come out in six months when things might be a little bit different, right? So again, going back to that fundraising strategy piece. Um, but a big part of what I do also is just networking with investors, networking with other stakeholders in the space, folks that might be doing product at slack or pinterest or wherever and just asking them what are you seeing that's interesting within your category right uh because that's helping me make more informed decisions when i'm looking when i'm crafting my theses my investment theses when i'm starting to go out and i'm meeting with different founders trying to see can i find founders that think similarly about the way the future is going to be and then can i back those founders and that's at the core of my job 
as, as someone that's thinking actively about my fiduciary duty to my limited partners, I'm constantly thinking about that, right? Constantly trying to, to, to think about the trends that not everyone else is seeing just yet, right? Especially at the early stage, that's what we have to do. We have to be able to look across, look, look around, not the next corner, but two corners um, because we're investing at such an early stage. Man, that's just, that's incredible. And there's, you know, I have, I have a couple questions about about that role and um, and how you show up. Before I ask that question, I you know, all the things you're talking about and the na- and the brands that you're mentioning I mean, and the conversations that you're having, I'm curious, how many, how rare is it to see black men uh, moving in this space? You know, I'll, I'll say, I'll just say people of color, probably, I'll just say non-white folks to start, but then, exactly. how, how, but how rare is it? It seems like it would yeah. be rare. I mean, like, it's rare to see women. It's rare to see Latinx. It's rare to see black men. It's rare to see anyone that doesn't fit a certain profile, which you've already named, right? And so um, it is rare, but I think it's starting to get better. And, um, you know, I can't quantify that growth rate, but I think that more and more investors are starting to realize that that there's a need to have multiple perspectives right we can't all think the same when we're doing an investment we can't all you know have been trained at the same academic institution and and travel in the same social groups because we're going to miss out on big movements and and even on a geographical note as well there's big things that are happening across the continent of africa right and and there's big things that are happening all across the world right and we can't just think in that tunnel vision of what's the next greatest thing that's going to come out of Northern California? We right. have to think, <laughs> yeah. we have to think beyond that. Right. 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 Um, and so, so there are things that are helping. There are things that are, are getting us uh, where we need to be, but I think that the pace can pick up. And I mentioned, you know, groups like HBC, uh, VC, um, which I think are great, but we need more of that. We need more of that. And we need right. more funds like what, you know, Chris Lyons is doing with the Cultural Leadership Fund. We need a lot of that. We need to amplify that times 10 at least um, because I'm not seeing enough uh, folks that look like me and have similar backgrounds when I go to these different conferences, different networking events. And I think that's problematic when we start to, to, see, to really see, you know, uh, what's getting invested in, uh, who's getting invested in, right? right. Um, there's stats out there that talk a lot about that. You know, talk about you know the amount of fundraising going to folks of color compared to, you know, folks that are coming from you know, I'd say more uh, common backgrounds within right. tech, and and it's it's staggering in well, no, terms of the disparity. You're absolutely right, and we actually had a we actually had an episode about that last season where we talked about where we talked about. Uh, being being in venture capital while black while being in venture capital while other and we, we discussed the the disparity um and in fund allocation to the point where they were talking about certain demographics um it was like to represent it in dollars would have been like basically zero right so yeah. so it's nuts um and and that so so to your to your point though about the role you know it seems as if your role requires like a cocktail of being able to kind of influence without direct authority a lot of, of emotional and social intelligence and then also all of that still being backed up by significant business confidence. So can you talk a little bit about how you show up being, you know, one of the few and, and, and what is it that you're doing in these spaces that are, um, that are, that are majority white and like what challenges, if you have any, have, have come with that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like being able to paint pictures. Like for one, I mean, you definitely need to have your facts, right? You need to have your facts and your stats down and you need to be able to help those around you. And I'm talking to other investors see what these trends are telling me. I need to translate that over to them, right? And I need to translate it over to them in, in language that they would be able to understand. Um, because at the end of the day, like we're all here to try to at minimum 3x our money, if not greater, right? 5x, 10x. And sometimes, you know, if these other investors lack that background, uh, they might not be able to understand uh, things in the same manner, right? And this is why I think every boardroom, and you're starting to see this within big tech companies like the Twitters and the Salesforces and the, and the Googles of the world where they realize they're building products for the entire world. So they need to have a team that reflects that, right? Uh, and so, but, but in the venture scene, we're not seeing that as, uh, you know, we're not seeing it develop as quickly. So for me, in order to, to, to go in, you know, I need to be able to pound the table, have the facts, um, but really build uh, these theses in a way in which uh, can align with uh, what my firm wants to do, right? And so I think a lot of it is just like, you have to go the extra mile, right? You have to really put in that extra work and, and it's making me a much better investor but I, part of me is like, it shouldn't have to be this hard at the same time, right? Like if I want to do a deal that's founded by a person of color and I think that, and I'm, and I'm able to show the data, the trends, right. all of this is, is really supporting going in this direction, right? And, and it's funny, sometimes even money that's coming from outside of the United States sees it better than money that resides within the United States. Hmm. Um, and, and because it's like they understand how emerging markets work. And so sometimes, you know, if you put it in that lens, like, I mean, we're not emerging, but we have the same capability of an emerging market in terms of the growth potential. Right. Then a lot of the dollars from overseas are like, oh, I, I went in on that. Right. And so sometimes it's just you have to be creative, but like you just have to you have to persevere. I think that's the biggest thing. It's yeah. re really like you just have to keep willing to push through. And that, that's the same note that I want to give out to the founders listening, which is, you know, you you have to knock on, especially at the seed level, you're going to have to knock on a lot of different doors. I have founders that come in and tell me like, look, I heard no 91 times and I heard yes nine times, but that's all I needed to close my, my seed. So don't get, you know, don't, don't get, you know, uh, uh, depressed don't don't have anyone try to knock you off of your hustle you're gonna just have to find the folks that your message resonates with the most and so that's the message i want to give to the founders no that's incredible and you're absolutely right you know my father um you know he's um he's a bit of an entrepreneur um financial background sales background and, and what he would he always tells me is he's like son you know you don't need but one yes like oftentimes you just need that one. Like people keep on, like you just said, you know, the majority said no, but you really just needed like a scant view to say yes, for you to continue forward. And I think it's hard though when it is, you know, when you continue to present and you present and you present and you know, who knows what those no's look like, right? Because a no is a no, but like, you know, the the way that they they sometimes the way people tell you no can hurt. Like if like maybe you were told no like ten times, even though you were just told no once, you know. So those types of experiences. It's tough. So 
Oh, that's great advice. Uh, before we um, b- before we let you go, do you have any other parting words, shout outs, or a special project that you're working on? Yeah, so I just want to, you know, give a shout out to Transfer and Collective. Uh, you know, it's a great initiative that we're trying to, you know, continue and, and we're actually looking for sponsors for that. So um, that's a it's a great initiative. It's a labor of love. And I want to see that continue in the future. So uh, folks out there that might be more interested in sponsoring, hit me up. Uh, big shout out to and I, I you know, this is going to be a little bit of a long list. And I, I, I there's people that definitely if I. I it could be a lot longer, but, um, you know, uh, I want to keep time in mind. So big shout out to Monique Woodard. Um, she's done a lot to help me out, uh, professionally, big fan of hers, Chris Lyons, Marlon Nichols, Connie Puebla, Richard Kirby, Eric Moore, Austin Clements, just to name a few. Um, and then also I love what initiatives like black VC are doing and also HBC, VC, uh, which I mentioned a few times in this podcast, uh, so that's it. Um, and also one last shout out to all the founders out there, all the hustlers, all the innovators that are are grinding right now. You know, keep building, keep moving forward, keep persevering. I know it might be tough. Uh, I know that, you know, it might be disheartening when you hear no here and there, but you really got to keep grinding and you will find your path. Uh, and, you know, to the best extent that I can, I'm always willing to, uh, let make myself available for folks that have questions on the businesses that they're building uh, or the careers they're trying to build uh, because I believe that you really have to pay it forward in this world. So on that note, that's uh, that's all I have and signing off. Thank you, everybody. It's been a great uh, pleasure to have this conversation. Clayton, man, first of all, the pleasure has definitely been ours. Um, wonderful feedback, thoughts, and points of advice here. We're going to make sure that we list all of the organizations uh, that you that you listed that you named off that you shouted out in the show notes and then we'll also make sure to have your linkedin information in the show notes as well so that people can reach out to you as they're able um now i think that's gonna do it for us folks uh thank you for joining the, the living corporate podcast a special series sponsored by the coalition of black excellence to learn more about the, the coalition of black excellence check out their website cbeweek.com and make sure that you actually sign up for cbe week which is going to be happening February 18th to the 24th, 2019. That's this year. Come on, y'all. In San Francisco Bay Area. If you go to their website, you'll be able to learn more, get your tickets and all that kind of stuff right there. Now, make sure you follow us on Instagram, though. Okay? At Live and Corporate. And make sure you follow CBE at Experience CBE. If you have a question you'd like for us to answer and read on the show, make sure you email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website, living-corporate.com. This has been Zach. And you've been speaking with Clayton Bryan. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.